0: Well, welcome, everybody. And thank you for being here with us. And again, I'm going to go back to what we said we wanted to create when we first came here. And with these free agents and with our draft picks is competition. And good players want to be better. And the quickest way and the best way to get that is with competition. And we've created that here, not only at that position, but at all positions, because this time of year, it, it, it's not really about evaluation so much as it is about learning the system, learning about what our culture is, establishing what our culture is, and, and, and you know, quite frankly, we don't we don't have what we call starters. Everybody works with everybody. Is it's everybody's job. Whoever the best person is for that particular position, that's going to be their job. And and in the fall, uh, when we start training camp, that all come together.
1: And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast, talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles and another Express solo edition this week just to keep you ticking as this off-season churns along a little bit slowly as the news kind of feels like it's dipped somewhat in the last couple of weeks. But a couple of points to talk about, just want to keep Pumping out the content, hopefully over the off-season helps you get through it a little bit um, But we want to hear from you in the next couple of weeks We want to try and talk to a couple of people previously in the off-season But if you want to come on, join us for a bit of a round a bit of a discussion There's been a lot to probably digest and sometimes when you're sitting alone at home Or if you're just sitting, you know, talking from with friends from afar, however that might be it's not always easiest to process, so definitely keen to try and get some people along in the next couple of weeks. All some great people that have supported me doing this show um, from a fan perspective, and just want to hear from you, just get you guys involved because, as I've said, I think we're going to need each other a lot this year, and it's not necessarily going to be all that easy at times um, as we make through the season. Last season was difficult when you knew how slowly the life was being. Taken from it in the last few weeks after going 0 4, and I think this season is probably going to be quite similar. So let's you know let's stick together on this and hopefully we can we can do that on here. But uh, I want to hear from you guys in the next couple of weeks. So I'll be reaching out. And I'll also put some stuff out on social media to see if you want to join and have a chat. We'll see how many people we can get through in the next couple of weeks. But just a couple of quick points this week as life continues to kind of get in the way um, and getting organised and and much news really as well from the, from this Houston side. But I thought interesting this week uh, OTA's the. The offence were out of the bubble, which was interesting. There was a lot of complaints from media types that they'd hidden away the offence, very cautious about what they, they showed. And then the, the Texans proudly tweeted out some social media clips of of Philip Lindsay running some bag drills, Tyrod Taylor throwing a quick slant to, to Brandon Cooks. Um, so, you know, it was a step forward. I think it was a step forward in... And getting team sheets with, with names and numbers out there as well so people could understand who on earth is playing on either side of the ball. So um it was uh, still a still still a lot of guys to work through. Um but I, I was interested, David Cully in front of the media. And he made a couple of comments and uh, you know, talked about competition, played that uh, that, that note at the start there um, about you know the, the competition how they'll and how they'll get uh, how they'll get better and how the, and how competition will, will will breed excellence and and it, that's true I think it is true around the margins and it's true around all the you know if you've got a guy who's maybe got all the measurables to be a starting say outside linebacker but's not quite made it there hasn't quite put it together maybe he's not mentally focused maybe he's not got all the all the all the, all the all the football IQ aspects of his game down and that competition will force that individual to go down that route and prove that and work that if they've got the desire to do so. And that player over a number of seasons may then become a starter for you. Um, but I, what I refute that competition does do is make bad players good and I think that's that's the element that we've got to uh, be aware of, I think. I talked about that last week in I'm not trying to manage anybody's expectations beyond my own. Um, I made a mistake of that last year talking about you know what players could have been, and we talked about that last week. But you know the competition will get you so far. Um, it will improve. You know the small percentages, five, ten percent here either there, makes a a non starter a starter, or potentially makes a non special teams player a backup player or whatever it might be. Um, but he said in the clip that we don't have starters, and I think that's evident um, at many positions they don't have starting quality players um, but we'll see we'll see I think times it's early days yet um, there's still a lot to be there's still a lot to be decided and these coaches are gonna have a hell of a job trying to herd all these cats in terms of the number of new players they've got and get try and work as many veteran players as they have got to try and get that down to that 50 52 53 man roster when it comes to it so hopefully we will see some progress over OTAs in the next couple of days. We've still got a couple of dates in the diary before before mandatory mini camp, and we'll find out if Watson turns up or not. We'll see about that. Uh, but just want to pick up on a comment that David Culley made.
0: David, when you guys signed Tarad, Deshaun had already asked for a trade, but the first lawsuit hadn't been filed. What was it about Tarad that made you think that it was a good situation. Your situation that the team was in was a good situation for him to be your quarterback. Well, we didn't have but one quarterback on the roster at that time signed. So we were going to go out and and Nick and his staff went out and we were going to sign some more guys to the roster that we needed to have. And Tyrod was available. He had some other places to go. Uh, He chose here simply because he's familiar with, with Pep. He's familiar with me uh he's familiar with what we're all about and 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 it's fit in just perfectly for us
1: when i first picked up that one there i thought he said that he didn't have a quarterback on the roster he said all but one quarterback on the roster and there was obviously an element of signing tyrod that was mitigation planning it was trying to give them a you know a primary backup option but it was clear when they signed the contract and the amount of incentives that was laden in the contract that they thought tying up to $12.5 million a year they they knew that Tyrod would potentially play this year with the trade request on the table but I thought it was interesting the way Cully answered that question did he think when he took this job and I know he said he is our quarterback right now and then the legal stuff blew the blew the team's position up in the water and they've changed that a huge amount in the last couple of weeks uh, or months since the legal stuff's come out. All gone very quiet now and the proof will be in the pudding in the next couple of weeks about when Deshaun turns up and when he doesn't, when the fines rack up, when when if he shows any interest in being a Houston Texan ever again. Now suggesting, as I said last week, that he will be gone and we should all perhaps prepare ourselves for that. Um, but I wonder when he answered that question, I know he's done a better job, apart from the Huddle and Flow podcast that he went on um, from guys from the NFL Network where he made a bit of a mistake when he said he's talking about Deshaun, he is our quarterback right now. As if that would change. They signed Tyrod Taylor um, before the legal stuff came out. And uh, the trade request perhaps was was maybe bigger than they thought. And I think... I think I, 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 or, or it was more serious than many of us thought, I think, from the outside looking in. I think we all know, and I think it's well documented, that the team knew about these legal situations well before they came to light. I think what, we, what we'll never know, a part of this, is the, is the spanning of how many of those cases did the team know about prior to this all coming out uh, into the Open. And it would seem, the more as we get on there, and actually, when I heard that answer, when you think about the contract that, that Tyrod's got, um, and when you think about how quickly and how easily they want to move on from the most important position in all of sports, the most important player in all of sports, the the golden goose that they've never found in the history of the franchise, in all reality, it sort of clicked into place for me slightly because I thought, well, actually, you know, maybe they did know about a hell of a lot more than this than than they would ever have let on, and they were willing to manage it to a degree in the background. But when it came to light, when it came to the scale of it, when the time scale of it is so long then perhaps uh, that's helped them make the decision, a hard decision, but I think the Texans have definitely moved on from Deshaun Watson. Tyrod Taylor in front of the media. I think we'll have to kind of get used to Tyrod and... He's, you know, I think he's one of these guys coming at Virginia Tech, as all these guys are, as with Ryan Fitzpatrick, as with Brian Hoyer, all these kind of retreads we've had. And we've got another retread this season um, until something changes. He, if you remember the, the momentum that they took, or probably his best season he had with Tyrod and this is kind of in my mind where the kind of ability I suppose for example or for a a, has a limitation on it Um, because you've got to remember and they talked about in the press conference this week that even the season that Tyrod had his best year where he took the Bills to the playoffs where he took all those fans to Jacksonville um, their offence was not good now okay that was an all time you know flash in the pan great Jacksonville defence that year they should have gone to the Super Bowl and you know a couple of calls um, particularly that Miles Jack um fumble returner, scoop and score that got called back. It was probably, you know, is was given another ring to the Tom Brady legacy. However, uh, you know, I think when you saw that defence that day, they had all the momentum. There was more road fans than there was home fans that day. And they went on the road there and didn't put a great performance. And now you can question the pieces around them. You can question the the talent and weapons, the skill positions. But I think when you think of that, it's probably his best season, Tyrod. Went to the playoffs. He still got benched for Nathan Peterman um, in that that year. So you've got to you've got to remember that even his best is just above average to to scrappy. And I think if if the Texans this season can embody that Tyrod Taylor scrappiness, you know it won't be pretty at times. They'll probably run the ball a lot. You could see how many running backs after you know we were recording last week and the Rex Burkhead news came out. They'll they'll run the ball a lot. They'll keep it simple in the passing game. I don't think the receivers will get anywhere near the targets that they got last year, and it'll be a grind it out season, just as it will be a grind it out on offense. But I think Tyrod has got a potential to steer this team to you know some some wins, and I think just by the flip of the coin, by the nature in which games are decided upon at this level, you know you might get some some unexpected wins in there. You know beyond the. The jets maybe carolina on the thursday night and you've got you know one of the jacksonville games potentially maybe even week one then you might th- you know there might be another toss-up in there that you probably just don't expect him and the texans could 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 be led to a victory by tyrod taylor this year now i think it's, it's a it's a balance because i think there's a a desire for everybody to kind of get the top top end draft picks so we can have the best chance to move on um, and be excited for a long period of time about who you might take uh, but I, I do think Tyrod, even though he you know he is limited, um, but he's a pro's pro. He works hard. People respect him for for all the things he's done in the game and continues to do in the game. Uh, and, and has maintained a career despite having all these setbacks at Cleveland, being stabbed in the lung last year by the club doctor, and letting Justin Herbert become a complete revelation for the. LA charges. it doesn't matter where he goes he's always been Buffalo he's always been respected he's always done an admirable job so I think you know just and it reminds me and, it, and the mind floats back to the Ryan Fitzpatrick years and look we were not good in the Ryan Fitzpatrick years from an offensive side of or, or or offensive perspective, we were a great defensive team, and that held us in games, kept the score down. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, if he didn't break his ankle in that uh, in that game up at, at uh, Indianapolis late in the season, I wouldn't be surprised if we'd have won that game and gone to the playoffs. So I think you it will be similar to that. But I think from a fan's point of view, and I think to try and put some. Bit more of a, a positive note and a bit more looking forward to because we have to play these seventeen games. But you know the the scrappiness uh, and the and the, and the courageousness of, of Ryan Fitzpatrick was was, was kind of fun. And uh, you know you were the underdog and you've got nothing to lose. And I think that's kind of what we will be at this year. And that, and I think that that to a degree that's quite fun. Um, and I think it's definitely not what we've been used to. But I think that's probably what we're going to kind of prepare ourselves with and we've probably got the best backup style bridge style quarterback we could have had for this situation so you know listen to Tyrod speak I think he'll be respected he'll do a job he is an ultimate pro he's one of these guys they hang around the league they're not expected to when they come out in the draft but they outwork people and they, they gain the respect and they lead people to results and um, uh, you know for, for the most part so they will we'll be outweighed by talent greatly but I think the scrappiness might be one of the uh, the, the, the underlying positives of this season I think that we can see a team that, that's given their all It might not be good enough a lot of weeks But certainly Tyrod embodies that in his play And you know I'm I'm, uh, I'm, I'm here to support him <laughs> Former Houston Texans first round draft pick Perhaps first round bust Kevin Johnson retired this week um, From the 2015 draft class Probably one of the rare picks in his tenure that Rick Smith missed upon in the draft. It probably wasn't a draft to be remembered, I think, at the top end, certainly, for talent. When you think of all those guys that haven't necessarily panned out looking at you know, at picks 1 to 10, I would argue not a single one of those was worth the pick. So it wasn't necessarily the best draft class we've ever seen, um, even right up to you know, up to the 15 picks before the Texans. There's probably not many of those players that I probably would have picked at the time um, taken prior to this. Now, the San Diego Chargers, at that time, if you cast your mind back to the 2015 draft, the Chargers, remember watching it, they they jumped up ahead of us and took Melvin Gordon. Now, from from San Francisco, so it was a... There was a sentiment certainly that the Texans may well look to get a running back, um, and like Melvin Gordon went there. Todd Gurley went tenth overall uh, to, to St Louis at the time, so there was a you know running backs were getting taken early. Then and I suppose those two, those two guys showed the shelf life of a court, of a running back. So I think potentially that wasn't necessarily the 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 pick there um, and, look, and, and Rick Smith had a mantra and I've talked about it before you can't have enough cornerbacks you can't have enough pass rushers and, and Kevin Johnson was the pick coming at week Forest in the ACC and you know I think he he or the, the knock on Kevin Johnson was he didn't have the frame and that was evident, he looked that, and all, you know, everybody at training camp, the kid looked skinny, and I think that was ultimately, in his career, his undoing, he was 100, listed at 170, 180 pounds, but he certainly didn't look like that, um, but the kid played like he was 220, and he, he had unbelievable transitional quickness, and that was that was everything. That was an elite trait he had, and that was why the Texans picked him. They thought he could coach it up, he can put some muscle mass on, and he can, he can, he can be a productive corner. But I think when you look at that, look at that pick. I think at the time, I remember there was a, there was talk that it would be Cam Irving potentially who went to Cleveland, um who's been a bust. Um, and they also liked Bud Dupree, um, and there was a couple of players that they liked, and there was there was talk on the night that they traded back into the the back end of the first round. To pick somebody, uh, and supposedly uh, that was going to be one of the Bud Bud Dupree, but he didn't fall that far, so the the trade fell through. So that was the rumor at the time. There was there was there was also talk that they were enamored by Landon Collins, who went to the Giants as well. Um, and uh, and 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 there wasn't too much talk of it. Eric Armstead probably being a four uh, three kind of defensive end, um, who probably might not quite fit a four. I uh oh, oh, yeah. A 3-4 at the time, um, under Romeo, but there was you know, there wasn't many players in that first round, I think, when you look at it, maybe Shaq Thompson, uh, again, but a four-three linebacker. So there wasn't too many players that went in that first first round that actually were premier talents. And I think so when you look back at the pick and you know, bar a few, you know, bar a few things here and there, I don't think Kevin Johnson at the pick at the time could you be could it be sniffed at when you review the valuation in hindsight, which gives you a far broader perspective than than, than the front office would have had at that time. But but I, I tweeted out a, a memory I had of Kevin Johnson when you watched him on 2016 uh, prime time against the Coles. I was there that night and he was all over the field and he looked every single bit of that pick that night and he was playing out of his mind all over the field, it was, you know, it looked like he looked like the fastest guy in the field in the secondary. He was making plays, you know, the defense looked really good. It was coming together. Roger McKinney had a sack late on, really big sack, and, you know, that defense actually, you know, looked like a premier unit. Jadavian Clowney had a great game that night as well. And it was all coming together, I thought, quite nicely for that defense. But Kevin Johnson was playing at a high, high level that night. And remember thinking, yep, that guy, another another pick nailed on the head by Rick Smith. And he broke his foot that night. And then he came back the, in the first week of uh, 2018. He got a concussion and he was out. And then they put him on an eye after the rest of the season. 2017, he got more injuries. So he just never got a clean bill of health. And I think that was the limited frame. And I think it's probably a learning and probably a... Uh, you know, probably, probably something that the Texans, you know, could they have picked Marcus Peters? That is always always the thing, but yes. But, I mean, he, let's be honest, he got kicked off his team at Washington, so I don't think the Texans, under Rick Smith, under Bob McNair at the time, those character flags weren't going to probably allow, um, to allow that pick. But a lot of players lose their career to injury. Unfortunately, Kevin Johnson is another one of those. Great guy. You saw him on hard knocks. Great family perfect kind of prospect you want to pick out but it just didn't work out so I nod to Kevin Johnson not many huge plays to look back on a couple of interceptions one against Tennessee that sticks out in his rookie year but but there you go Kevin Johnson's career cut short by injuries this week Just not often do we talk about news from around the league but I think the Julio Jones trade in the division is pertinent i think just to to touch upon lastly this week as we wrap things up but julio getting traded to the the tennessee titans for a second and a fourth uh, second this year fourth the following year i think is interesting um from the from the point of view that it puts perhaps a bow on the hopkins trade you see that the value there again or or a Or a league value. I know it's perhaps not apples and apples. You could argue Hopkins still very much in his prime. Julio, the wrong side of 30, had multiple knee and, and foot injuries that they've had to manage. But I suppose that was the complaint with De'Andre, that he didn't practice much during the week. It was difficult for his quarterback to develop when his best receiver wasn't on the practice field every week because he was managing various nicks and bruises. But it didn't affect his performance on a Sunday. He didn't miss many games. He's Mr Durable. Julio hasn't necessarily been that for the for the Falcons. I suppose in, in this instance, the, the Falcons reluctantly are giving up Julio, um, and it's probably been they've tried. You know, they they gave him a, a band aid deal, then they extended him again in 2019 to reset his deal against the market. Kind of similar to the Hopkins thing, but they were more willing to work with them. The Texans just simply weren't at the time, in their infinite wisdom. And then I think following on from that. The the, the the Texans were, were a willing seller perhaps more than the market was there whereas whereas this felt like there was a bit more of an, uh, an awareness around the market and that was the best they could do so I still think at this stage of their career like for like you should have got more for Hopkins they shouldn't have been similar just with H- Julio's injury history his age etc um, but I think what, what you've got to do or I think what's interesting as well just before we move on to that is that is the the perception of the league it's just well the Falcons got what they kinda of should have got, whereas it was, you know, uh whereas the Texans, you know, as Bill O'Brien was vilified at that point, completely slated, and rightly so, I don't think he got the right value, but But just the the difference in reaction across the league, uh, very very interesting, um, and very very different for what, on net effect, on paper is the same return uh, for a wide receiver, and and arguably a top three wide receiver in the game. But Julio, prototypical receiver, Robert uh, Thomas Dimitrov, rather made up that big big trade up to get him from out of Alabama. He's had some wonderful catches. He, you know, he is looks like he'd be made in a lab, and he's going to be in the AFC South against the Texans twice a year now for the remainder of his time. Now, he was traded on the basis that he would have a new contract, how that affects them, uh, pay, paying AJ Brown in the future, what remains to be seen. They must think they can manage the cat. They've obviously taken on Bud Dupree in a reasonable deal. they got Ryan Tannehill. Um, but I, I think that I'm assuming that Derek Henry will be off the books at some point um, by the time they, they, they go they go to to, 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 for the money, or the bonus money, or the large amounts of the the salary increase will kick in. Now the Falcons did take a dead cap hit this year um, on the on the on the uh, on the contract of Julio, so it allowed the allowed the, the 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 cap hit to be far more manageable for Tennessee. But I think what's going to be interesting is when you've got two, you know. One A and one B threats on the perimeter for Ryan Tannehill to throw to. You're gonna have to play cover two. You're gonna have to give you know, additional safety help. You can't. You probably can't play cover one against that. And as soon as you take a man out the box that allows Derrick Henry one less body to churn through. So it gives that offence a whole new dynamic, I think, that, to, to play against and, and or to scheme against and, and, and to understand how and, and why they'll set up the way they will. So there's a lot that, you know, that it adds an element in the division, not that the Texans were in the in the same sphere as the Tennessee Titans going into 2021, but certainly it gives them a big weapon. Um, is it a name or a game at this point? It will remain to be seen. But certainly, one of our AFC rivals got substantially better, and not for a huge amount uh, in terms of draft pick given up. So you know, lessons to be learned. But it sort of calibrates the Hopkins trade in some ways. But uh, but but certainly a, a player to be uh, t- to be reckoned with, and a player that we don't have really any corners to, to cover. I saw a tweet this week actually; he got an unbelievable amount of likes, etc. So last time the Falcons played the te- uh, the Texans. Bradley Roby uh, locked him down. Well, I can tell you for for somebody who was there, that's complete and un- un- unadulterated shite because, in fact, uh, Julio was injured that day and I watched them right in front of me. As I, and I remember it so vividly Because it was disappointing That was the game we wanted to go and see Because I wanted to go and see this guy Who's meant to be the best wide receiver in his position He had turf toe at that stage of the season Didn't play, was really struggling It was actually Calvin Ridley Looked like their best player um, And Jonathan Joseph had a terrible time covering him um, I think he's, he got two scores that day So look, I think you've got to remember He has had injuries um, So to think Bradley Roby look, covered him And to to tweet that out without With just looking at the stat box Was, uh, yeah, I think... Uh, So more of the interest in Texans commentary. But thanks again for listening this week. Just another quick addition just to keep you going through the off-season. Just some thoughts as kind of life gets in the way a little bit um, to get a full episode out um, this week. But there's not much news going on, but we're trying to keep you through this off-season. As I said, right at the top, want to reach out, want to speak to people in the next couple of weeks, get some people on the show, try and talk some Texans over the off-season. Hopefully it'll help you get through this next couple of months before training camp rolls around but thanks again for listening if you haven't already please like rate and review the podcast please keep sharing it on social media if you get a chance um and hopefully if you've not checked out any of our articles um please do that on podcasttexans.com there's a couple of off season pieces that I think will be pertinent right through the off season if you've not checked them out yet but thanks again for listening check it out podcasttexans.com on facebook on twitter and we'll be back with you again next.